Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. I'd like to introduce you to a very special client, very special friend, very special triathlete who we've known for a long, long time. Um, I knew him back in 2003. He used to come all the way from Vauxhall, I believe, all the way over to our very first pool session in Essex, um, which was no mean feat in its own right. He's from Australia, but he managed to navigate the tube and train system very successfully. Uh, Mr. Scott Coey, um, how do, what more of a billing do you need? You, you've been there, done it all, seen it all. You, that's a long career in triathlon, but, but where did you come from in terms of your sporting background? What led you to triathlon? Uh, Dan, okay, well, thank you for the introduction, first and foremost. I think I'm, I'm glad you've let out, left out some of the other stories, which is probably going to be a little bit more embarrassing, but they may come later. Um, I think probably my journey into triathlon started back when I was in Australia. Um, I grew up playing a bunch of sports, six, seven different sports, um, you know, as you do in North Queensland with the sun out all the time and great weather. Oh, stop. <laughs> probably one of the last things I did before I left was... Um, a charity triathlon for somebody so fast forward fast forward 12 18 months i come across i come by the states i coach tennis in the states for you know the summer periods and then come across to the uk and would work and go back and coach. but other than that i didn't really do much other sport and um you know the uk weather wasn't the australian weather and and i decided that i needed to get back into some activities because i had uh, put on quite a bit of weight and you know, ran, went and ran a marathon, but got bored of just running and remembered I'd done a triathlon and then um, took it up from there. Um, looked up online for some companies and that's how I come across uh, Swim for Try and, um, and we met. Uh, that's that's quite a story. So 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 you it, it, running was your thing, but as with most Australians, your swimming was, was very respectable. Um, you just seem to have that natural, uh, you know, aptitude for it. Whatever stage you came to swimming, you know, you seem to always have a 50 meter pool at the end of everyone's road in Australia, as, as we all dream. I was I was very disappointed when our, my parents didn't take that 10 pound one way ticket back in the <laughs> back in the day. Um, but yeah, so so running and, and you've you've meandered in and out of try with trail running. I mean, do you have a preference now? Do you are you still going to continue both? Yeah, look, I think I always, you know, coming back into the triathlon and then um, over a period of a couple of years progressing up to the longer distance stuff and doing Ironman now, um, I've, I, I see the opportunity now with the Ironman to be able to, and as well with trail running, to be able to travel and see different parts of the world and see it from a different perspective as opposed to a, a top of a big red tourist bus, as a lot of people seem to do. So I look at my my races for the season mainly being around where haven't I been and, and what's available and that then dictates whether it's uh, an Ironman uh, triathlon or a single or multi-day stage running if, if I'm going out to Colorado it's obviously running across the Rockies where if I'm going to somewhere in Europe but the first the first port of call is to see is there a race around the season that uh, I haven't done yet to go and have a look at that's very interesting because most people will have their bucket list races they'll have read the various reports in the press you know wildflower is, is a is a to-do race you know escape from alcatraz uh, roth but actually you flip it and you think oh hey here's a destination here's a time of the year what's available perhaps when i get there yeah i mean look i've been fairly lucky as you said starting back in in the early 2000s where i've had the opportunity throughout the you know the last 17 18 years to not only tick off some of those iconic races that everybody wants to do, but also get to the point where 
you know, I'm not one of these people that wants to go back and do the same race again and again and again. So, you know, you talk about, you know, these iconic races. I've been lucky enough to do Roth. I've been lucky enough to do Escape from Alcatraz. You know, even, even stuff as simple as, you know, the London Triathlon is, you know, the things that you tick off. But, yeah, more now I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be able to select my races around um, destinations and locations. So, you know, that's the advantage of being able to do trail being liking to do trail running as well as liking to do triathlons whether it's short middle or long distance that's while we're on that do you have a favorite race a favorite race location um i I suppose if you look at from um the sport of triathlon and and you know obviously you know the top of that being ironman my my favorite race was my first one actually you were there with me it was your second ironman and my first one in in Port Elizabeth in South Africa, and it's actually where I have, you know, broken my rule and gone back and done it again, because it's the <laughs> first one you do. Um, funny enough, with just running, I, I, I would actually say my favourite run, I wouldn't necessarily a favourite race, because it, it's, it's more about the experience, more than so anything, is actually whenever I was going to New York for work or out there for family and friends, is, is the loop around Central Park, the seven odd miles around there, I just find it's a great, it's a, you know, in the middle of, you know, one of the world's busiest cities, the, this Central Park that you can escape and run seven, eight miles, Whenever I get to New York, I always make certain I do that. So I suppose, again, it's, it's more about the memories as opposed to about it being a race, which is what, what ticks the top of my list. That's wonderful. That's really nice. And, and you just mentioned how you – so not even a race but just a run, just going popping out from the office. And, and that leads me to, you know, how do you fit Ironman training in around work? I know you're very busy. I've known you a long time. You've had some very demanding roles um, and now obviously family commitments as well. I mean, that, that's that's tough. How, how does it all add up in the course of a day? You know, it, it comes down to a discipline. Um, I have, uh, you know, you've coached me in swimming and we spent a lot of time talking about that. And I have a triathlon coach as well. And so my week schedule is planned for me. A lot of the stuff I do in regards to my day job in banking and finance and other things is me planning and organizing and, and sort of dictating a day and how it structures. What I'd like to do with my with my training around my triathlon is sort of flip that on its head completely and hand it over to somebody else and completely think about all the stuff I need to do and how I get. And that's you know, my journey with you since early 2000s for such a long period of time and also with you know, my current coach who I've been with for about three or four years, it's about aligning the people up that understand what your life as a whole um, takes on and fitting around it and not overloading it. So, yeah, look, early mornings, um, you know, if you, I always find it's a lot easier to get up and start the day very early and, and train. I always find that whenever I've tried to do it through the day or in the evening, the day gets away from you. Or with my work, I have to work evenings quite regularly. You know, you don't get that. So the discipline around it, um, and then also stuff as simple as, you know, as you said, with family, is like, you know, you can't go out for a five-hour ride in wintertime at, yeah, at, <laughs> those, at those 10 were o'clock the, in the morning because you lose the day. So those were the days. Like, <laughs> there was a hell of a lot of time spent on turbos and indoors on trainers and things like that. So. Amazing. And and the commitment, that that let's go back a stage. So we met early 2002, 3-ish um, you were not taking things so seriously back then. My favorite story is bumping into you at Eden, um, one of the Eden Dorney sprints in the car park. You were looking haggard, disheveled, red-faced, um, exhausted. And I asked how your race had gone. And, and you replied, you just arrived, arrived directly from a party. Um, so back then, not so serious. Fast forward 15 years, 
and you qualified for Kona a few years ago. That's that's a level of progress. How, how do you account for that yeah. trans- transformation? Yeah, I, I think you're being a little nice in regards to that story. I think I actually woke up in the Eaton Dorney car park with half a kebab still on my chest from the night before. Um, I will say, I will say, I did have, I did break the hour for my super sprint there. So you know, I wouldn't recommend it for any up and coming athletes. But there may be something to racing drunk that we need to look into going forward. But yeah, those those days were very early on. And look, to be clear, the the sport itself for me is a passion and a pastime and something that I like doing and I enjoy doing. But I, I, it doesn't take over and dictate my life. I like I, I like socialising, I like partying. Yep, absolutely, I love a drink now and then. And, you know, those things um, those things are a good balance to the life. I mean, I think if you go forward, yeah, my journey to Kona, which was in, in uh, my first one was in 2012, was my 10th Ironman, and I think... You know what? It became one of those things you talked earlier about a bucket list. It became a goal, and I think uh, you know, at the time, I think I posted something on Facebook, which talked, which started off being, you know, a drunken bet turned into a secret <laughs> plan that ended up being a, a goal and a plan that I was able to achieve. I, yeah, I think at different stages during my life and my career, if I turn around and I focus on wanting to do something, whether it was my first marathon or my first trail run or or qualifying for Kona, you sort of have to realise that that's a journey. And that journey takes your own path as an individual. And, you know, I may have got to Kona quicker if I'd been a little bit more serious and a little bit more disciplined about, you know, my private my social life. But I, I wasn't going to let it take over my life. So, you know, things aligned at the right time. My, race, my qualifying race was an Ironman in New York. It was a ridiculously hot day that suited me perfectly and aligned to allow me to finish in one of the qualifying slots. So... You that's, a, that's, a, that's a journey of 10 Ironman over about, I think, probably down, probably eight, nine years. So, you know, it wasn't that it was a single-minded focus. It was a journey that had an end result, and it was a, I was a very pleased to be able to get, get along to Kona and enjoy the race. You mentioned a fondness for New York, and, and so that's a, a, ni- a nice tick that you actually got to do, cause, because it was just the one year they held yeah. the New yeah, York. One of the, yeah, one of the interesting, they called it Ironman New York, but you spent the whole time racing the over in Jersey and you come across the George Washington Bridge for the last three miles of the run. But, you know, it's all about naming and branding. So, you know, I have, I have the, 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 you know, I, I went and bought a watch, an Ironman New York watch, and the T-shirt I still, I still hold to this day, especially as it has been the one and done, it's... Uh, pretty special to me that's really good that's really good and and since then you've progressed further and immersed yourself more into the sport um you've been involved with a a triathlon travel company yeah yeah so part of what i realized on my journey in regards to ironman was you know the challenges of getting to a race and booking booking a race and actually i was fortunate enough to meet some people in kona when i was out there that were involved in a, a, a a triathlon company and i worked with them in regards to establishing our own company, which I've since moved on from. They've sort of taken it at a different level in North America and being in Europe, I, it, it, it didn't make sense for me to involve. But it was about making that um, journey to an Ironman, whether it be your first one or your your 20th one, easier. And I suppose that journey was about my experience as well. And, and also, more recently, I've actually spent time um, passing on my knowledge and experience, helping people get to their first Ironman and, and giving them advice and a little bit of coaching around the things to think and consider. So I always think something's been a very important part of my upbringing in my life and, and what I've enjoyed is about giving back to the sport, whether it's you know, whether it's through running a company or even helping people or giving advice to people doing their first race to, 
making sure they zip up a wetsuit the right way round at, at you know at, at the lake on across the summer when you know swim for try does their um, does their sessions and, and a great help you've been there as as well. Uh, I mean it is it is good to have you as an example that have of someone that's been with us for the duration since Keely and I started the company. Um, from that first session in Essex and, and bless them. We, we we're, have fond memories working with Try and Run and, and Greg and those guys over there. And that led us to, you know, working the Eaton Dorneys and, and it's just meandered from there really, really nicely. I mean, you, you've enjoyed giving the information. You know, you've, you've dabbled a little bit with coaching. Is that something you want to entertain some more or, you know, are you just too busy now? So I, I think... Um, part of what I do in my work and part of what I what is part of my of my DNA growing up is you know managing and running large teams of people and salespeople and and junior people coming through. So yeah, I mentioned you know I I, I came across um, my first across to the UK was through coaching tennis in the United States and coming up. So coaching and being a part of that's always been part of my DNA. I think you know right now I think you know my skill set around helping people is about in all honesty, the people going on their journey for the first time and all the mistakes I made going through my races and all the mistakes I did wrong and there's some, there's some plenty of stories that would not be suitable for the podcast here to <laughs> explain, especially out, and you'll remember the first one in, in South Africa and a changing tent incident which we'll stay away from. <laughs> but I, I think my, I think it's it, a lot now is that conversation with people about giving them the confidence and the belief to do it themselves. And that doesn't just need to be in triathlon, that's in any sporting endeavor. And just speaking from experience. So I always feel it's important to give back. I'm always happy to spend time. Look, I mean, there's somebody I'm talking to now, there's a lady who's 60, 65 years old who wants to run her first marathon. So I'm just talking and helping her through bits and pieces like that. And these are people I've met through the sporting life. So I, I think there's definitely, there's definitely more I will want to do in regards to the active community and the active place. But going full on and getting level twos and threes and you know, the levels of qualification that, that you and others have done is, is probably not something that's in my near time future. So a, a guidance. That's nice, though. And, and you're right. I think coaching is a lot about, um, you know, you don't have to be uh, racing all the time or be a great competitor yourself. But, you know, you as a coach, I like to go do the events, recce the courses, make the mistakes, and then you... You know, at the very least, as a coach, you you help your clients, your people that are working with you, you know, help avoid them. I think that's quite a nice, safe, sound principle that that you can help people stay away from those mistakes. You know, if nothing else, that is that is just coaching, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, look, I think one of the reasons my journey for Swim for Try has been so long and continues to be is because that's at the very ethos of the company and the community and all those people around. You can go to a a swim session, whether it's at Putney, Mile End, or the lake across summer, and talk to people that have been there and done it in pretty much every race possible, and they'll give you advice and directions. I know you had, you know, Ralph on as one of your early podcasts. Even even Ralph, who is the nicest guy in the world, the funniest mate, I, I, I tell the story about Ralph in regards to the Swim for Try community, about, you know, Ralph's the only person that can make friends in a swim. You know, and, and but that's that at the very heart of what Swim for Try is in regards to what everybody comes and brings that you and Kelly and, and your mum has built is about that community of sharing and friendship and about that community of helping. It's very different to a lot of the other triathlon clubs I've seen or spent a little bit of time with where it's all very 
competitive and people ask, what's your fastest time? This and that. It's not the basis of Swim for Try and it's not the basis of what I like doing in regards to giving back, giving back to the sport that's given so much to me. That's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. Is there, you know, that determination, is that an Australian thing? I mean, you know, we have a, um, you know, it's a lovely sporting rivalry across so many of the sports, but there, I just find there's a tenacity in, in that Australian break, you know, in, in, the, in the mentality when it comes to sport. And, you know, you just keep persevering. Uh, is that a useful thing? Is that, do you, do you recognize that? Yeah, look, I think that's across sport. That's across um, our, you know, personal life. That's across our working life. I mean, there's an old there's an old joke that goes about you know, you know, Australians will bet on you know a cockroach climbing up the wall and who's going to get there first. There's a competitive nature that's built in our DNA from growing up. You know, maybe it all throws back to the fact that we all were convicts and kicked out of the country, <laughs> kicked out of England all those years ago for stealing a lousy loaf of bread. You know, who knows? And we, we revel in that underdog conflict <laughs> escape mentality. But I think that's also part of the competitive DNA that you grow up in Australia. And, and like I said earlier, the climate and the environment place. I played seven different sports at a very competitive level, level growing up. You would play three or four sports at the same time. So that competitiveness and that, that um, desire to keep going is, is built in from our parents and from our culture and from our, you know, our society growing up. So, yeah, yeah very much a part of, you know, you, you, um, nature you, and nurture, really, growing up where we did. You took your tennis to quite a high level. You, you kind of glossed over that. Um, you played to a good level? Yeah, look, I got my qualifications. I think one of in my younger days, about, about I think my claim to fame was I was one and zero lifetime against Pat Rafter, who won who won one of the majors. Mind you, what I neglect to obviously tell in that story while I'm doing my bragging was I was twelve and he was eight. So I think there was a you know, timing had a lot to do with that. But yeah, I was lucky enough to be nationally ranked, and I you know came across and, and coached at a, at a fairly good level in some senior camps in in the states across the summer. Um, for a lot of uh, you know, young Americans coming up. Um, but again, it, it was one of those things. It's actually probably one of the reasons that I transitioned across to running and triathlon is growing up in Australia, you could step onto a tennis court anywhere and play. When I came across to here, it was very much a club-based, membership-based sport here in central London. I was not making a lot of money, so I couldn't afford to, I couldn't afford to play the sport. So I transitioned across into running, which you, know, you need a pair of sneakers and some clothes and away you go. So it's, again, back to that adapt, adaptability of, of, of finding a sport or finding a passion that, that if one doesn't work, you go find another one and get to it. That's the journey between tennis, coaching, triathlon, swimming, running, that eventually, you know, eventually led to here, which was, you know, um, really enjoying helping can, give back to the sport. Can you draw from a, more from a physiological or physical? Can you draw any parallels between? I mean, I can imagine some of those sets go along. You know, the games are for hours. The concentration and, and intensity is there. So the fitness background was there. I mean, did, did anything else carry over that helped? is the flexibility and and the you know if you think of triathlon you swim you bike and run you use your leg muscles three different ways whether you're swimming and it's just a slight flutter kick or you're on the bike and it's heavy on the quads or you're running so that tennis where you are moving laterally and forward and back had had meant there was a lot of different developments in regards to uh, flexibility and muscular around that it 
helped a little bit early on in the days too as well in regards to when you're doing short sharp triathlons but not so much as you got older but again it also was you know yeah your mental toughness about being out there and i also think um not directly related to tennis but relates more around the environment was you know we played tennis across summer in australia we were standing out there at 11 12 1 2 3 p.m in the afternoon when it was 30 30 degrees it was a cool afternoon so you know for me right now when i go race an ironman i look at it and i go great the hotter the better you know if i could race at the gates of hell i'd be happier because my body has grown up in that environment where heat doesn't impact me so, so you survived kona quite nicely off the back of that because that, yeah, that, actually, that is it was, some... it was funny. It was actually part of the stuff I've talked to my coach about because I, when I went and raced the Ironman in New York, it was July. Uh, it was the day that they had the temperature in the, hot, the high degrees. I never expected to qualify for Kona. So I actually had a trail run across the Alps two months after Ironman New York, which was then only six weeks before <laughs> Kona. Now qualifying for Kona was I was never going to say no to that but then I was also going to say well I don't necessarily want to give up the the, the trail run so it was actually one of the things I've learned that my training if I continue to train and race regularly throughout the season when I went and hit my A race I had a stronger race as opposed to just picking one race and building up so it, it was a surprising thing and then yeah and then turning up in Kona and we had a very hot windy day and you know to this day it's actually it, um it's still one of my top three uh, marathon run times wow. um, in regards to my Ironman racing was was in Kona um, back in 2012, even even to this day. So yeah, that the hotter again, the hotter the better, and that that training and racing and doing lots of different sports growing up and the physiology behind that all has helped in regards to the journey I've had. And I was going to ask some more about future plans. You know, where the other exotic, where the other favorite races might be but but remind me was it two years ago you actually did seven marathons seven days seven continents so that's a remarkable achievement and and probably doesn't leave you many more places left to compete yeah well i think you know one thing i'll warn anybody is don't get involved in a drinking game with me because you'll lose because the first question will be is have you had a beer on every continent which was part of the plan of doing that um i was able to do that but yeah there was a there's a, an event out there called the 777 uh, organized by actually an Irish guy by the name of Rich, uh, a gentleman by the name of Richard Donovan, who does a fantastic job, and a great a great group of communities that sort of come from it. But it was about we ran we ran a marathon on every continent in a week, starting in Antarctica, working our way up and around, and finishing in 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 Florida. Um, there was a lot of uh, raising some money for for an important charity behind that as well. But it was also the challenge of being able to do it. So yeah, so and that a lot of and you think about it too. Again, a lot of the trail running and stuff for the multi-day stage races all helped to lead to that in regards to having an awareness of the recovery and what you need to do and the nutrition and everything like that. And uh, but probably the most memorable thing about that is is the group of people that I'm still very close to and in contact with to this day that went through that experience because effectively for that week you are in a bubble of um, fly, run, eat, repeat type thing. Wow, that's incredible. I mean, and, and in terms of recuperation, how did your body break down? How did it repair? How did it cope? Oh, well, it took about nine months for my toenails to grow back. Oh, um, nice. <laughs> um, I think, uh, yeah, that, that was one of the that was one of the more challenging things. But again, you know, with that, if you are actively recovering while you do it, whether it's whether it's you run five k every day, 
or do a swim session every day, if you put back what you've taken out of it and you look after your body, I know it sounds cheap considering where we started with the conversation with the kebab on my chest before a race, but if you get into that mindset, then it's amazing how quickly your body recovers. And that just because you think you're tired when you want to go out for that run and it's very easy or go for that swim, it's very easy to say no. Once you get out it out the front door and after the first five, ten, ten minutes, your body warms up and, you, and you're back on. So. You mentioned earlier one of your favorite races was Ironman South Africa. We both went and did that in 2008, and that pretty much was my last triathlon. Um, <laughs> will you stay with tri or, or like me? I, from that point, I pivoted and branched into there, there were, you know, suddenly there were. And you've done some of them with me. Um, we did a great little open water swim in Bedford, I remember, with uh, with Ralph and Tom and the guys. So I, I've sort of pivoted over to pure open water swimming, which is lovely that I can now do a triathlon without any biking or running. Do you think you will break into trail running or you're still happy to combine the two? So, so my next goal is uh, two years before I turn 50. And my goal I've got to run is... is 25 Ironman by the time I've turned 50 and I'm at about 22 or 23 actually I probably should redo my math to make certain I'm on the right number but there's there's one I want to do which is right around my 50th and, and, and that that's the next milestone I'm aiming for in regards to um, you know revisiting and looking at I mean look one of the reasons why I, I continue to do trail running or I've, I've done some you know duathlons or even actually like this 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 the swim run stuff that's coming around now is always is always the the opportunity to keep things exciting and interesting. I think the great thing about triathlon is it is three sports that come together. So I always find from my training season that each year there's one there's one of those disciplines that I like more than the other, and there's one that I hate more than the other. <laughs> but that's it. So then I then I will potentially branch off and do it. I mean, you talk about swimming. You know, there's a few swims. Um, you know that that I still have to check that I want to tick off my list, you know, the one up about swimming between the two continents that you can do up in Europe, there's some other long distance, you know, in the back of my mind somewhere there's maybe a channel swim um, and things like that. So there's always that diversity and I've also been able to sort of go out and do a lot of, you know, ride up Mount Bontu on the bikes or look at doing stages of the attack or Tour de France or things like that, depending on that. So I think I'm with triathlon, the diversity of the three different disciplines allows you a longer a longer lifespan in it from my perspective but yeah. you know, I'm always looking at what's you know what's what's what else can be added to it or what's next whether it's cross think, training crossfit or you know that's a lovely healthy balanced outlook really that you know if I need to work on some weaknesses I'll focus on you know a bike event or a run event whatever it might be that particular year or you know what takes my interest or if i want to go and see Vontu, then i'm gonna you know do it on a bike not on a on a in a camper van i, I really i really like that that's amazing yeah but let, let's also be clear i also keep an eye to watch out to do the berlin marathon because it's right around october fest time so yeah there's <laughs> <laughs> the balance Again, it's it's that health, I guess, medical health, but it's that balance across sport and enjoying what you do in your life as well. Scott, that's amazing. We're about up with our thirty minutes. It's been a pleasure. Uh, it's great to have you as our longest-standing and continuous member of the of the well, staff, family, client. <laughs> call it what you will. Best of luck. I hope we can help you further for many years to come. Um, best of luck with the future endeavors. Thank you for talking with us. Cheers, Dan. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate the opportunity to speak to you.